I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. We are going to jump in uh, to this sermon. This is the last sermon in this series of fear that we have been talking about over the last six to seven weeks. And so hopefully, prayerfully, the Lord has spoken through, uh, through these sermons. And I pray that he does the same thing again this morning. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 10, verses 17 through 27 is where our sermon and where our scripture will be based out of this morning. I pray that you got your sermon outlined there in your bulletin. Hopefully, prayerfully, there's a a pen there in front of you, or maybe you've got a pencil or a crayon, whatever it is that you want to use this morning as we work through uh, God's great word. I'm going to rack Billy's brain. Let's see if he remembers this. There's an old popular hymn that I have heard several times and a couple of, of revivals that I have done through my years. And it's called Almost... You were last answer. Uh, almost Persuaded. And I want you to listen to the first part of, the, of this song. It goes like this. Almost Persuaded Now to Believe. Almost Persuaded Christ to Receive. Seems now some soul to say... Go, Spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on thee I'll call. You know, the religious landscape throughout our country continues to change at a very rapid clip. In the Pew Research Center telephone survey conducted in 2018 and 2019, church, I want you to hear these numbers. Are you ready? 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion. And we think, well, that's a pretty good number, Brother Donnie. That's that's not bad, but church, you didn't hear the rest of it. Down 12 percentage points over the past decade. Over the past decade. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population consisting of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular now stands at 26%, up from 17% in 2009. What does this tell us? Oh, here's what this is telling me as a pastor and as a Christian. People are fearful to place their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. I believe they are fearful of placing their faith in Jesus Christ because they are fearful of letting go. And that is the title of your sermon this morning. The fear of letting go. I believe people are fearful of letting go and letting Jesus lead their lives in a way in which everything they have is directed and belongs to Jesus. I believe people are fearful of letting Jesus direct their thoughts, letting Jesus direct their their actions, their desires, their morality, their values, and their finances because, well, maybe we'll lose friends. Maybe we'll lose contacts. Maybe we'll lose respect from others. And maybe I'll lose control of my own life. And in our scripture this morning, we're going to see an individual. We're going to see an individual that wanted eternal life, but there was some fear. There was some fear of letting go of something that this man, he he, he had so much of that there was just no way that he was able to let go. 
And so the fear of, of not being able to let go is really what turned the point in this man's life because the Bible is going to tell us that when Jesus told him to let go of these things, the Bible's going to see, you're going to see this, the Bible says that he walked away. He walked away in sadness. And so the fear of letting go, it directed his actions. And instead of following Jesus that day, he followed his fears. Look at Mark chapter 10, verses 10 through 20, or 17 through 27, at what the Bible says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and he fell on his knees. That's a great start. Amen. Especially when Jesus is in your presence. He fell on his knees before him. He said, Good teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and responds, So why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Verse 20, the teacher, teacher he declared, All these things I've kept since I was a boy. Things are going in a great direction, aren't they? This is looking like a very positive conversation between Jesus and this young man. In verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you like, he said. Here's what I want you to do. This is where the, the, the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? He said, I want you to go sell everything you have and I want you to give it to the, the poor. And then look at what Jesus says. He says, and you will have treasures in where? Heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And the Bible says that he went away what? He went away sad. He went away downtrodden because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples, they were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Of God, but Jesus is not done. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, Who then can be saved? And look what Jesus says. Jesus looked at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but not with God, because all things are what? Possible with God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day you blessed us with. Thank you for uh, the sunshine. Thank you for November 1st. Thank you for Austin's birthday, Lord. What a special day it is for him. Lord, I pray you watch over him and you celebrate him. And Father, we pray for many more birthdays to come for him as well. Father, we pray you bless this service today. Lord, we've already been able to sing, Father. We thank you. Lord, we were able to give of our tithes and our gifts. And Lord, that's a, an act of worship in itself, Lord. And so, Father, now we come to this part of the service and we, we ask that you bless these words of yours. Teach us, Father God. Reach us this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit is already moving amongst us. Father, I pray for those that are listening to us and watching through Facebook Live. And Father, we thank you for them, Lord. Father, I pray that they receive the same this morning, God, that you challenge us. Lord, maybe there's some things in our life that we need to let go of. Maybe some things in our kitchens that need to be remodeled and moved around from one place to another. 
Father, we thank you for our church family. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all of God's people said what? They said amen. Now, I'm not sure there is a better story in the New Testament that really depicts the story of when a person's fear of letting go keeps one from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ and the story of this rich young man. And so a man that came to Jesus with, with questions, and evidently he had some personal inadequacies that made him question his eternal resting place. And if you look at the previous verses, this rich young man, maybe just maybe he had overheard Jesus speaking about the little children when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never what? They'll never enter into it. So maybe, just maybe, the, the kingdom of heaven, maybe it sparked his thoughts that day. And so he, this, this rich young man, he, he wanted to know. He wanted to make sure that, that when he passed, he wanted to be in God's what? He wanted to be in God's kingdom. And did you know people are asking the same thing today? Amen? When 99% of people pass away or get to that point in their life, 9 out of 10 or more on their deathbed, they're calling for a pastor or they're calling for a priest, whether they've been believers, non-believers, been in church or never been in church. You know why? Because when we get to that point in our lives, we can no longer control what's going on in our lives. Then we want to make sure. Well, we want to make sure this heaven or this hell is for real. I want to know that I'm what? That I'm saved. I want to know that I'm going. My persuasion for you is to not wait for that day. Amen? My encouragement for you is not to wait for that day that when you get on your deathbed and you know your time is coming and you know that you've got a final few breaths that you say, well, now all of a sudden I want to know about this Jesus. I want you to know Jesus today. Amen? I want you to trust in Him today because here's the thing. If you wait that long, there's going to be thousands and thousands of blessings that you're going to miss in your life. You're going to miss them. Now people may say, Brother Donnie, you tell us you don't believe in deathbed confessions. That's not what I'm telling you at all because I believe the crook on the cross is with Jesus right now. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm going to tell you this. I have been beside people that have died, and I have been there with their final breaths, and I have been there, and they have looked at me, and they said, Brother Donnie, I wish I had become a Christian many, many years ago. Then have waited. See, I've seen that. I've experienced that. I've shed tears because of that. Because I know in their mind, even though they were going to heaven, they missed out on some things that God wanted them to do in their life. I don't want you to miss out on those things. I don't want you to think, well, I'm only 16, so I can wait till I'm 40. Well, I'm only 30, I can wait till I'm 50. Well, I'm only 50, I can wait till I'm 70. Well, I'm only 70, I'll wait till I'm 90. Well, I'm only 90, I'll wait till I'm 99. I don't want you to miss out on those things. Amen? I want you to experience that today. I want you to know that when you walk out of here, you don't have to ask yourself, am I a Christian? But you rejoice in knowing that you are a Christian. 
And so through this rich young man's initial reaction, here's where your sermon outline begins this morning. You ready? Number one, they almost come to Jesus with genuine concern and motivation. They do. They absolutely do. And I want us to notice some of these good qualities and actions that this rich young man exhibited as he approached Jesus. And maybe this is on your sermon outline this morning. I'm not sure that they are, but I want you to look at some of these. First thing he did, he ran to Christ. Amen? The Bible doesn't say that he jogged. The Bible doesn't say that he walked. The Bible doesn't say that he limped. The Bible said that he what? That he ran to Jesus. That means he made a conscientious effort that he wanted to see this man. He ran to Jesus. He made his mind up that Jesus was the key or Jesus had the answer to his question about eternity. Now, wouldn't it be great to have more people responding in this fashion? Amen? When the altar call is given and the sermon is over and the Holy Spirit is moving, wouldn't it be awesome to have people running to Jesus and running to the altar? Because something was heavy pressed on their heart and then on their mind and they had to give it to the only person that they know that can make a difference. He didn't just run. The Bible says he also did what? He fell on his what? He, he fell on his knees. This man had some humbleness in his life. When's the last time you got down on your knees and prayed? When's the last time you come to the altar and got down on your knees and prayed? When's the last time you got up in the morning and got down on your knees and prayed? When's the last time you got down on your knees and you prayed to Jesus? For some, maybe we don't remember. I think it's very important. This man had humbleness. He didn't just run to Jesus, but when he got to Jesus, the Bible says he fell on his knees in respect of Jesus. He didn't just run, he didn't just fall, but the Bible says he acknowledged Jesus' goodness. He called him what? He said, good master, or maybe it was good teacher in your, in your Bible. But while this man wasn't a confessed follower of Jesus, this man knew something was different in Jesus. This man saw something in Jesus that many did not, and that was Jesus was good in his honor. Jesus was good in stature. Jesus was good in his mission, and Jesus was great in his truth. Amen? He saw this in Jesus. Now, many come to Jesus with the understanding that Jesus is much, much more than in ordinary carpenter from Nazareth. Amen. People come to Jesus because they've heard of Him. People come to Jesus because they've seen miracles happen that they just cannot explain. People come to Jesus because they've watched Christian movies or maybe they've heard Christian music. People come to Jesus because they know someone who's a follower of Jesus and Jesus has made a huge, huge difference in their life. So people, even the almost, come to Jesus with genuine concern and motivation because they know they realize there's something missing in their lives, but they just cannot put their finger on it quite yet. They're almost there, but they're just not quite there. And then through this story, we also learn, number two, that they almost get confused between legality and what? And faith, and believe me, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is still holds true today. This still holds true today. This rich young man, when he confronts Jesus, he asks him this question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And I want to go slow in this point of Scripture because all of us at one point in our lives have probably asked this question. What must I do to be what? To be saved. So what are we seeing? Well, here's what we're seeing. That man expected to earn eternal life by his own what? By his own righteousness. That's what he was thinking in the back of his mind. He was thinking, I will earn this if I just do these things. Now listen, I'm assuming that he was a Jew. I'm assuming this through Scripture. And that obeying the Mosaic law and doing good deeds, that would get him into heaven. But Jesus is getting ready to enlighten him. He's getting ready to enlighten him. Because folks, listen to me. You can do a thousand good deeds a day, but if you've not professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Good deeds come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what James says, the brother of Jesus. Good deeds come from that relationship with Jesus. We don't do good deeds and say, well, Father God, if I can just be good enough, if I can just do good enough, then Jesus, you'll love me enough to save me. And see, that's just all backwards. Amen? We'll never be good enough, will we, church? We are born sinners, and that is who we are. And we have to be saved through the grace and the blood and the justification and the, and, and from Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's where it comes from. And listen, sitting in church every Sunday and checking off your bulletin, that's not going to get you saved because you cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn it. And the Mosaic Law was given to Moses to help guide and direct and to instruct and to teach the people of Israel God's will for their lives. The law was never given to people to get them saved. According to Matthew 19, 18, this is where this story is also found over in that gospel. 1918, the rich young man, he asked a second question about which commands Jesus was referring to that the man keep. And, and Jesus answered him in that verse 19, and he, and he said those things. Do not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your mom, honor your dad. And so Jesus doesn't present all ten of the, of the commandments we know in the book of Exodus. But notice, Jesus focuses on the ones dealing on the external and the observable behavior that others can see and evaluate. And then the rich young man, he asked Jesus a third question, according to Matthew chapter 19, where this is found. He said, what do I still like? Jesus, what is it? I, I know these things, but what is it? There's something. See, something's going on in this man's head. Something's going on in this man's life because he knows that he's not adequate. He knows that there is still something that is missing. He said, I've kept all of these since I was a boy. So here's the second thing we see. You ready? Goodness doesn't produce righteousness. Goodness does not produce righteousness. This young man still not, didn't grasp what Jesus was meaning. He claimed to have kept all of those commandments. Yet he knew that such observance was not enough. And he asked Jesus, what do I still lack? 
See, no matter how good a person's life may be, no matter how religious one is, we cannot produce righteousness on our own account. We cannot do it. If we could then, think about it. If you and I can produce enough righteousness on our own, if we can be good enough and we can produce the righteousness, then why did God ever send His Son? Why did God ever send His Son? And truth be told, this rich, this, this, this rich man, he, he, he knew that he didn't keep all those commandments. He, he knew that. Even Jesus himself said in John 7, 19, he said this, Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keep the law? He's just fooling himself. He was just fooling himself. And this rich young man, he knew in his heart something was missing like many people realize today. If we take a long, hard look into our hearts and into our conscience. And I want us to look at Jesus' response in verse 21 as Jesus gives this rich young man. He gives him three commands and he gives him one promise. See, Jesus knew this man's heart. And Jesus knew exactly this man's treasure and where they lay. So here's the three commandments that he gave him. Church, you ready? Stay with me because I want you to, to, to get this. He said, go what? Sell it all. He didn't say, go sell the PlayStation, go sell the, 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 the dining room table, go sell the, 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 the camper and the trailer, go, go sell the, the dishwasher, go sell the, the F-150 or the Chevy Silverado. He, he didn't say do that. He said, go what? Go sell it all. Get rid of it. All the possessions, whatever they may be, his lands, his homes, his stuff, Jesus said, I want you to go sell it all. Now, why would Jesus ever do this? Why, why would Jesus want this rich young man to go sell all of his stuff? Well, church, listen to me. You ready? Because his stuff had become his God. You with me? His stuff had become his God. In Colossians 3, 2, Paul said, Set your minds on the things above, not on the earthly what? Not on the earthly things. Jesus also said, sell it and give it to the what? Go, go sell your stuff and I want you to give it to the poor. Well, again, well, I know, come on, Jesus, you're killing me. Right? You're killing me here, Lord. Proverbs 14, 31, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Go sell it. Give it to the poor. Then what did he say? Then come what? Then come, follow me. The Apostle Paul said these words in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, but whatever was to my profit, I consider it lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord, whose, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. This man's testimony could have spread through the land just like Zacchaeus's, when Jesus came into his heart and said, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus wanted this rich young man to be a follower. 
He wanted him to be a fisher of men, an example of what happens when Jesus, the one that we should cherish above all other things, comes into our lives, forgives us of our sins, recreates us into a new being, places the Holy Spirit in our lives, empowers us to live in a Christian manner, and equips us and enables us to share what Jesus has done in our lives. That's what Jesus wanted for this rich young man. And then I want you to look at the promise. The promise, Jesus says, you will have what in heaven? You're going to have treasure. Jesus wanted something far greater for this man than just the wealth that he had accrued. But would the man be willing to let go? You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you see the drama unfold. Amen? Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's like watching days of our lives or one life to live. Or, and you see these stories that are unfolding and you're reading the Scripture. And you're looking at it and you're like, God, what's He going to do? i got to keep reading. i got to know the end. i got to know what's His actions. What's, what's His thoughts, Lord? What is He going to do? Is He going to give everything away? Is He going to sell it all? Is He going to give it to the poor? Is He going to come follow Jesus? Father God, what's He going to do? Well, through the story, we learn this. Number three, you ready? They almost many times walk what? They walk away. They walk away hurting because they won't what? They can't let go. They won't let go. After Jesus told the young man to go sell all of his stuff and give it to the poor and then come follow him, the Bible says the rich man responded in this manner. The man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great what? Because he had great wealth. You know, this is what the world does, church. I want you to hear me. See, this is what the world does. Hang on to what you have. Hang on to what you've done. Hang on to your rewards. Hang on to your wealth. Hang on to your achievements. Don't give up anything to follow Jesus because He won't fulfill you. Follow you. Don't come follow Jesus. Follow you. Don't, don't give it up. Hang on to that money. Hang on to that retirement. Hang on to everything that you've worked for and everything that you've accomplished, everything that you've done in life. That's what's going to bring you joy and that's what's going to bring you happiness and that's what's going to bring you hope and that's what's going to save you. That's what the world tells us. Jesus said it don't mean a dime to me. It don't mean nothing to me. Because Jesus said in the end, guess what? You ain't taking none of it, what? You ain't taking none of it with you. Not a dime, not a cent, not a gold brick, not a piece of silver, not nothing. You ain't taking anything with you because none of that means anything to who? To Jesus. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants you to follow him. Jesus wants you to love him. And I want to remind you a few things about this rich young man. He knew God. He knew God. I, I, I follow these laws, Lord. Good teacher, I, I know these things. He knew God. He probably worshipped God. He, he knew the scriptures and the commands. He even knew about heaven. Doesn't that sound like many people today? Come on. 
That's many people today. They know there's a God. They know there's a talk about heaven. They know all these things. A lot of people come to this understanding in their mind, if I'm just a good person, if I'm just good enough, then God loves all of us, and there's no way that God's ever going to let me go to hell. Is that biblical? Is that biblical? Not according to Jesus. Not according to the Son of God who said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Not according to him. But this rich young man, he didn't seem to understand who Jesus really was. You know, he came to him and said, good teacher. I think things would have went a lot further if he'd said, Savior. Amen. He didn't want to give up his wealth. He followed fear instead of faith. He wasn't willing to trust Jesus. And because of that, he wasn't willing to follow Jesus. So in summary, this rich young man, he wanted wealth in both what? He wanted wealth in both worlds, and he wasn't willing to give up his earthly wealth to obtain eternal treasure. And so the rich young man, he went away sad and uneasy and distressed and grieved because... As Jesus has said in Matthew 13, still others like the seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, it comes in and it chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Now church, I want you to to understand, hear me. Wealth doesn't automatically disqualify people from eternal life. Rather, it's the worship of wealth over God. See, that's the key issue. That's the key. There are those that possess much wealth while keeping Jesus at the very center of their life. See, wealth is not evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of what? It's the love of money. It's the deceitfulness of wealth that lures people away from God, and it turns us into being me-focused instead of being God-focused. Charles Spurgeon once said, A golden coffin will be a poor compensation for a damned soul. Let me read that again. A golden coffin will be a poor compensation for a damned soul. And then lastly, there's hope. Because Jesus reminds us, number four, they almost are still being what? They're still being pursued. By the God that makes all things what? He makes all things possible. Listen, a person can't buy their way into heaven. A person cannot save himself or herself no matter how good one may be. Why? Because only Jesus can transform the inside which changes our outside actions. The rationale and logical process this rich young man clung to was to ignore Jesus and to cling to what he knew. But I wanted to read to you a quote this morning from Lee Strobel. Now, some of you may know Lee Strobel. Some of you may not. He was a one-time atheist, now Christian. He said this, In short, I didn't become a Christian because God promised I would have an even, even happier life than I had as an atheist. He never promised any such thing. Indeed, following him would be inevitably bringing uh, divine demotions in the eyes of the world. Rather, I became a Christian because the evidence was so compelling that Jesus really is the one and only Son of God who proved his divinity by rising from the dead. That means following him was the most rational and logical step that I could ever take. From a one-time atheist, now professed Christian. Jesus says, with man this is impossible, but not with God. Because with God, all things are what? 
all things are possible. You know, maybe this morning there, there, there's a few of the almost that are here that are hearing these words. Maybe this is you this morning. And let me assure, if that's you this morning, all of us have been there. Every single one of us have been here. But here's the good news. Number one, you probably already feel God's presence in your life. You probably already see Him. You're probably already experiencing Him. The rich young ruler knew God. He worshipped God. He wanted to go to heaven. But Jesus wasn't His Savior. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4, verse 7, Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your what? Don't harden your heart. Number two, knowing Christ as your Savior is not about obeying laws, but it's about having faith in Jesus who directs our actions. Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be what? You will be saved. Jesus is about a personal relationship. That's what He is about. If you're one of those here today, the almost, you don't have to walk away in sadness today. You don't have to be like that rich young man. Jesus asked this man to give up his wealth because that's what he worshipped. God may not ask you to give up your wealth. God may not ask you to give that up, but let me assure you of this. Whatever God asks of you to give up, He's going to replace it with something even better. Amen? Something even better. And don't forget this. God loves you. If you're on that almost train this morning, God loves you. God is pursuing you, but you must decide, are you going to believe in Him and love Him and pursue Him in your life? I made that decision when I was 11 years old. I made that decision at 11 years old. And no, my life has not been perfect. And my walk with Jesus has not been perfect. But I know for a fact He's been with me every step of the way. Every step of the way. We don't know if the sad story of the rich young man ended here. Maybe he thought it over. Maybe he would come to know Jesus. Maybe he realized that his wealth wouldn't get him into heaven. We don't, we don't know the end. What we do know is this. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, this question to you and you alone. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? See, almost doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. And almost does not seal your eternity in heaven. Almost typically has us walking away sad, disconnected, and looking for worldly joys. That's what almost does. Does Jesus have you? Have you given your life to Jesus? Do you know Him as your Lord and your Savior? Have you said to Him, Lord, I am a follower. Father, I give you my life. Do with it as you please. Or are you one of those that is hanging on because you are fearful of letting go and you don't know what Jesus is going to do and so the most comfortable thing to do is to just keep putting Him what? Putting Him off and putting Him off and putting Him off. Or maybe there's some Christians here today. And there's something in your life that has become your secondary God. Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from being the person that you need to be. Maybe there's something in your life that 
you know right now beyond a shadow of a doubt you are worshiping and you have put your hope in something besides Jesus and you know that that something is never going to be what Jesus can be for you. Amen? Maybe there's something you need to come give God today. Maybe there's something you need to come lay at the altar and lay at his feet and say, Father, forgive me. I've strayed. And I know, Lord, there's something that I need to give up. See, I don't know what that is for you. But you do, amen? You know. And so this morning as Billy comes and we sing, we have this opportunity, this invitation. Church, hear me. Don't, don't be like the rich young man that walked away sad. Don't be that. There, there's some of you here this morning, you're looking for a church home. And you're wanting to get connected, but you've been putting it off, and you're almost there, but i got to keep hearing this preacher a little bit more. i got to keep seeing, is this church really going in the direction that I think it's going in? Are they going to love me and my family? Are they going to encourage me? I challenge you to come this morning. Because we will love you. And we will encourage you. And we will walk with you through this life. So whatever's on your heart this morning, whatever it may be, this is your time. Will you stand?